Hi, this is Mark Wade from CenterCityCondos.com, and in this podcast, I'd like to talk about the general Center City market as a whole. Um, and it goes like this. The condo market is really divisible in between three different segments. You have the low-rise segment, which uh, encompasses brownstones and perhaps some, some converted loft buildings. Then you have the mid-rise segment, and let's say that's anywhere from five stories up to ten stories. And those generally are buildings that look like they might have a doorman. They generally don't. Um, and then, you, of course, you have the high-rise buildings, which uh, have the, the doorman and the elevators and a lot of times parking and maybe a swimming pool and things like that. Now, when we look at condos as a whole, it's always easy to just generalize and say the bigger the building, the higher the condo fees. Because in the bigger buildings, remember... We're talking about doormen and elevators and staff and on-site management and maybe a swimming pool and a gym and the common areas. As opposed to, say, a brownstone condominium, where really the only con uh, common area is the hallway with six light bulbs or ten light bulbs or something like that. So there's much less to maintain in the smaller buildings than there will be in uh, you know a 28- to 38-story high-rise. Um, Generally, the high-rise condominiums have a little, I mean, I hate to say this word, but they can have a tendency to be a little bit more similar to one another, a little bit more cookie-cutter, if you will, uh, than the brownstones. Because, you know, some of the brownstone conversions or the loft conversions can be one of a kind. There's, no, there's nothing that's, um, you know, unit 2A. At, uh, or 2F at 928 Spruce Street, it cannot be duplicated anywhere in town because all the buildings seem, you know, they're all different. They're all different sizes and styles and heights and views and things like that. As opposed to a high-rise, you know, if you go to a Dorchester and you're looking at unit uh, 1001, that's exactly the same as unit 2801. You know, it's just on a higher floor. So the low-rise condos have a tendency to be a little, have a little bit more uh, character, uh, a little bit more one-of-a-kind, if you will. And what's interesting is sometimes they're also harder to appraise or harder to wrap your head around the value since we can't compare apples to apples as we can in any given high-rise. Um, now, condo fees are based in every specific building. If we're just looking at one particular building, regardless of the type of condominium, condominium fees within that building are going to be based upon the square footage of that condominium. Now, that does not mean that a 1,500 square foot condo in the plaza or the Rittenhouse is going to have the exact same condo fees as a 1,500 square foot unit down at the National. You know, different buildings include different uh, amenities and, you know, whether or not there's management or parking or doorman or a pool or what, what have you. Um, so condo fees are going to vary from building to building, even if they're the same size. But within the same building, it's always contingent upon the size of the unit. And you have to know that when you're looking at condos in Philadelphia, it would be horribly, you'd be horribly mistaken if you think that all 1,500 square feet condos are created equal. 
They're not because you have to look at ceiling height and floor plan and how big the living room is and and you know uh, views and and floor to ceiling windows can make a huge difference in in visually opening up a, a space. So a lot of times I have buyers that come in and says, well I can't. They say, well I can't do anything less than fifteen hundred square feet. And then I show them something at twelve hundred square feet, and they go out and sing and dance in the middle of the street. They're so happy. So so. If you're coming uh, to look at condos in town, we'll really want maybe want to go by sometimes bed or bath count, something like that, because n- there's such a wide variety as far as um, layouts and views and ceiling height that really can mess with your mind in terms of overall square footage. Now, the condo market as a whole has performed very well because what that really what drives the center city market are two distinct sets of buyers. You've got the first-time buyers, and then you have the empty nesters, and then the ones that fall between. But what do first-time buyers and empty nesters have in common is that they generally are not looking to do a lot of work. They're generally not looking for a phenomenal amount of space. They're generally looking to downsize or or the first-time buyers are getting in uh, to their first condominium. So they're not looking at a three or four bedroom um, townhouse. They're looking for something as small to get their feet into the, you know, the home ownership uh, arena, if you will. Um, and empty nesters are coming in. And, and those two groups really make up our, our, the main driving force or the main buying force in the condo market. Um, the center city condo market has grown substantially. Condos do very well in town. We are not like New York, a co-op town. We do have two or three co-op buildings in town, and and they fare fairly well. Uh, I don't mean to to, uh, disparage them in any way, shape, or form, but as a whole, we will not see uh, co-ops in Philadelphia as opposed to the abundance of condominiums. Now, as far as condos are concerned, uh, the you know they're they're located throughout Old City and Rittenhouse Square and pretty much everywhere in between Queen Village and Bella Vista and the Art Museum area and and uh, things like that. Um, a lot of times, buyers will, uh, <clears throat> as you can tell, I'm just rambling off the top of my head here. Um, a lot of times, let's go back to condo fees. Condo fees. Uh, a lot of times in the bigger buildings. They're going to include everything. They're going to include heat and central air and electric and water and sewer and doorman and and basic cable and the shuttle bus and the swimming pool. And, you know, so a lot of times we have to look at condo fees to decide really because there is a inverse relationship between condo fees and the price of the condo. So the higher the condo fees, generally the lower the, the condo price. If everything given, you know, everything else being equal, um, so, but we have to look because some buyers will say, well, gee, the, the Academy House or the Philadelphia and those condo fees are skyrocket high. Uh, well, let's look at what it includes. You know, uh, you got to pay to play because I do not know that of any doormen that work for free, nor am I aware of any elevators that run on magic pixie dust. You know, I mean, it takes electricity to run and maintenance to run those things. So we need to really look at what's included in the condo fees to really get a sense of whether or not um, how equitable that might be. Uh, a lot of the older buildings uh, may require more maintenance. I mean, you know, I love 1900 Rittenhouse Square, a beautiful pre-war. It's on the south side of Rittenhouse. I used to own in that building. But, you, you know, sometimes if you go into the building, the windows are very, very, very old. And, oh, which brings me to a good point. Do you own the windows? 
We don't know that. We don't know that until we read the condominium documents. I mean, I, I generally know off the top of my head which buildings, in, you know, include or don't um, include the windows or don't. Um, for instance, next door to 1900, you have the Dorchester, a building that was built in the 60s, uh, very large. Um, you don't own the windows in that building, as opposed to the Philadelphian or the Hopkinson House or the uh, Academy House, which are very similar in, in terms of size and uh, pricing and, and uh, age uh, and things like that, where you don't own the windows. It, let me back up. In the Dorchester, you do own the windows. I'm sorry. You own your windows at the Dorchester. You do not own the windows at the Philadelphia and the Hopkinson House, Independence Place, Society Hill Towers. So if there's going to be a change uh, you know, or an assessment, that may come down the pike at some of these uh, uh, buildings like uh, 1900 Rittenhouse Square, the, Hop, uh, the Dorchester, uh, Center City One, where you own the windows yourself. They're not a, a common element that's owned by the building. So... So that's one thing we're going to have to look at in terms of future assessments and expenditures. But the point I'm trying to make is that every building has its own uh, bank account. You know, some buildings have a, just a shitload, excuse my friends, but a shitload of money in their condo association because uh, they've been stockpiling money for years and years and years and years. As where a brand new building, Waterfront Square, when they first started out, of course, there's not a lot of money in that condo pot. The flip side of that coin is you don't, you may, you may not need it because a brand new building that's maybe a year or two old, the windows have a 25-year life expectancy, the elevators have a 24-year life expectancy, and the hallways and the common elements, the grounds, the structure, the roof, the uh, air conditioning system. Are all, are all brand new. So you, we should not. We should expect that there's no deferred maintenance in some of these newer buildings. So when we're looking at condo fees, don't be surprised if some of your newer buildings or even your smaller buildings don't have this stockpile of tens of thousands of dollars like maybe some of the larger, more mature buildings in town are going to have. So um, when looking at condos, the way I like to get started with buyers is day one, you leave your checkbook at home, you come to town, you show up, I'm going to show you five different condos of different sizes, different styles, different locations, different different uh, kitchen sizes and ceiling heights and natural light and, uh, you know, just a whole variety uh, of uh, amenities and attributes to those condominiums as I listen and watch you react to um, what you're seeing. Uh, the, you know, I have a couple rules. Number one, you're not allowed to be late. And, <laughs> and number two... You're not allowed to like every condo I show you because if you do, I'm not going to be able to learn from you about your likes and dislikes. So I like vocal people who tell me, you know, what they like and what they don't like. That will help me really narrow down. One of the few things I do well in life is I'm very good at assessing a buyer's wants and needs after I spend about an hour and a half with them. So, um, but uh, okay, so we've covered condo fees, uh, different locations, you know. A lot of people will say they want Prime Rittenhouse Square because that has the the name recognition. Uh, anybody who's ever been to Philadelphia, they know Rittenhouse Square. But you know, I encourage buyers to let's let's expand your horizons a little bit and let's look at, let's look at Washington Square. Let's look at Fittler Square. Let's let's look down an old city to kind of get an idea of the flavor of the neighborhood and and what kind of housing stock, condominium stock 
that neighborhood is going to have. So um, when you come to town, I am going to show you uh, a variety of locations and, again, styles and, you know, some modern, some pre-war. And, you know, some condos here in town do swing towards the more contemporary and some do kind of lend themselves to a very kind of, you know, pre-war elegant you know kind of style if you will and and you know once i show you one of each i'm going to know real quick <laughs> what you're leaning towards because the reality is if you come to me and say oh mark we want a two-bedroom two-bath condo i can truly show you condos until you're blue in the face i mean we can look for the next six years so the idea is to get a sense of what you like and what you don't like so that tours number two three four and five no matter how long it takes you to find what you want are going to be definitely defined to your uh, to your preferences. Day one is just kind of hit or miss. You know, it's a learning tool. You come in, you learn about the condo stock. I learn about your wants and needs, and then we go from there. So, uh, condos a very viable option here in Center City, uh, for, especially for the first time. And what I find is for the first time buyers and the empty nesters who are selling that big five bedroom ranch house out in Havermore or Gladville win or whatever they come in from the suburbs or from out of state or wherever um, and a lot of times what they like is one level of living and they are not interested in doing a lot of maintenance like maybe the the, the, the most I'll get out of them is they'll say okay yes I will uh, uh, repaint and I'll change a light bulb if I have to but that's all I'm doing uh, very common and we have that housing stock to uh, you know, for that type of buyer, uh, you know, the first time buyers, they'll, they'll, they may be a little bit more flexible, but they're really more job oriented. They're moving to town. They're working a bazillion hours a week and they don't have the time to redo a kitchen and redo the bathroom. And da, da, da. they're looking for move in condition as well. So turnkey is very important. A lot of times what I say in the uh, Center City condo market is screw location, location, location in Center City. The condo market, it's about condition, condition, condition. That's a heavy, heavy driving force in value in the center city condo market. So don't forget that, boys and girls. I'm going to be pounding that into your head if you ever get into my car. So there you go. This is Mark Wade rambling on and on and on. Thank you for listening. Um, questions, comments, or concerns, what you need to do is you pick up that telephone. You push the buttons on the front of it, 215-521-1523, and let's chat a little bit more about uh, condos here in beautiful downtown Philadelphia. Thank you so much. Bye now.